Good evening, King of the Couch here, episode 40. Uh, joined by a guest this week. He's a week late, a dollar short, all that. No, not really. Jared Sukjai, pleasure. Let's cheers these. Cheers, thanks for having me. Gin, soda and lime. Um, mate, I mentioned last week, obviously you, uh, you were going to be on the show uh, and you didn't. And that's, you listened to the last show and I talk a lot about the coronavirus and I... I'd like to thank you for that because you made me go down a deep wormhole uh, on the internet looking at coronavirus stuff. So I'll let you tell the people why you weren't here last week and yeah. uh, why you're here this week instead. Yeah, so I, um, I'd i been in Thailand for a month and um, just wanted to... I did get sick over there and wanted to see a doctor and get some bloods done. Thought it'd be easy. As soon as I mentioned, you know, I'd been overseas and I had been sick, it became a big thing and <laughs> essentially... Uh, half an hour on the phone to a nurse, um, all these things. And five and a half hours later, after trying to get an appointment, I was actually able to see a doctor. And so they put me in isolation room. I was in there for an hour and a half. Um, They came in, full hazmat suit, did the swab test and um, said, look, go home, self-isolate. So I had to, you know, obviously message yourself and say, hey, or you you, you messaged me, hey, how you going? I said, well, hey, I've got to self-isolate just to make sure. And I knew I wasn't sick. I knew I didn't have coronavirus. But um, had to wait for those results. So unfortunately, I missed out on, on doing the show with Elton John. I missed out on doing the show with yourself as well. So I would be more if if I could speak freely. You were more gutted about doing the show with me than Elton John. <laughs> yeah, it was a big loss. Yeah, I mean Elton was working, getting paid, but you know it would have been awesome to to see and experience that as well. Mm. Um, but you know. It happened, and here I am. I'm not sick. Yeah, not we'll contagious. Get uh, thanks for thanks for letting me know. That's a that's a noble thing. I I feel like it's in the same ballpark as, oh crap! You've just found out you've got a sexually transmitted transmitted disease, and I better call all my recent uh, loves. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I appreciate that. Well, there you go. That's the first um, coronavirus uh, negative case person that I've had on the show, which is good. Yeah, I um I talked about it last week the coronavirus. It's ridiculous, and and. You know, because of what we were talking about last week, I didn't really, I don't watch mainstream media, and I, I don't think you do either. Um, but I jumped online, and you're looking at, say, the, the normal mainstream media, then you're looking at the other articles, and then you go down a big, big wormhole on the internet, and it was just like, by the, the two hours I was down this hole, I was just like, oh my god, fear mongering, like 101. I was just like terrified, and I run out and just bought a thousand rolls of toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Is it to blow our nose with the toilet paper, or are just, people are just afraid it's going to turn into diarrhea? I don't know, but I can't believe that people are running out buying fucking toilet paper. I don't know what that's about. But uh, now look, glad you're, um, glad you're okay. Thank you, yeah. Were you ever worried? Did you worry even just for a second? You're like, Look, shit, I was what if? Like, 99% sure that I, that I didn't have it. But mm-hmm. then you hear, that, okay, well, it's really affecting elderly people and people with existing illnesses. And I was like, well, I'm not sick. And look, I was sick for at least two weeks in Thailand. Uh, and my sister got sick. And I think I got sick from her, to be honest. Yeah. But um, yeah, there was that, that, you know, that slight chance that it was actually coronavirus because we're overseas and mm-hmm. there'd been reported cases in... Chiang Mai where we were staying yeah. but um, at the time I thought this is a re- really life-threatening sort of illness <laughs> and I think I would know if I had it yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, Did, didn't you tell your brother-in-law was in a five-day quarantine uh, so that- yeah my sister's uh, partner um, Marco he um, he got a fever 
And so when he came back, they had a, they had a horrible return trip. So mm. they first of all they he got sick, and then they flew back. They got two and a half hours into their flight from Singapore and had mechanical issues and had to turn back mm. to Singapore. And so their eight-hour flight turned into a fifteen-hour flight or travel. And he got up, put in isolation for um, a few days until his results came back and negative for corona, but they uh, came back positive for dengue fever, which is potentially a lot more dangerous, <laughs> yeah. you know, than corona uh, for him, for someone at his age. So, yeah, pretty full on, pretty full on trip. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty crazy, man. I um, uh, Look, I don't worry about it. I mean, it's maybe it sounds ignorant. I think the fact that we like live in Australia and it's pretty first world. Like I never touch wood. I never seem to worry too much about those things. And I mean, we're pretty much the same age. So you going back, there was what the bird flu, the swine flu, SARS. I just remember every, I feel like it's cyclical every two to five years. There's something that comes out and usually from one of the, one of the like Asian countries or something. It's almost like, Oh yeah, here it comes again. You know, it's about time we had something. Um, this one though, for some reason, it, Maybe I've done more research on it, but I feel like it, they're making it out to be way bigger and way worse than the rest of them, you know. And um, I found a thing on Bill Gates doing a TED Talk, and it was like, when I listened to it, it was like, shit, he sort of hit the nail on the head here with a lot of things, but he also was like, oh, 10 million will die, and this and that. This was from five years ago, and then that's when you start going, shit, 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 maybe I'll do a solo podcast this week. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but you're around here the night before that, so it doesn't matter, so... Um, no, I mean, good to have you on the show. Um, we, we're, we're relatively, what, friends, new friends? I don't know. We're, this is the only third time we've ever really hung out. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, I don't even, how did I meet you? Um, through Jamie, your wife? Yeah. Down, uh, had a couple of drinks, had some dinner at um, Dave and Em's. Yeah, that yeah. was it. And then, oh, two, week, two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago, yeah, when we first, second met. And that was interesting because you said it was, as soon as you said a couple of things and, you, and that was that you hit me with that you're like i'm gonna ask you a controversial question now yeah and it was um about the old izzy falau statement and you know, i'm playing nrl because we're both rugby fans and i was like at that point i was like fuck you need to be on the podcast this is some good shit you know i was like here i was thinking you're a little, little bit quiet but no you like a chat so let's go yeah, definitely yeah um i always ask this question um to most to most why well, every guest i have on the show if you're on death row, what would you order? Like, what would your last meal be? Um, I love Indian curry, definitely. Um, half Thai. My dad's from Thailand, lives in Thailand, was a chef uh, for most of his life, and I would still pick Indian curry over Thai, I think, um, for most meals and for death row. Yeah, why not? I mean, the with like a, like a hot like a hot curry. Yeah, spicy, yeah, mm. vegetarian, mm-hmm. um, normally vegan, because I don't like the creamy sort of curries as much as the vegetarian ones, yeah. or the vegan ones, I mean, but yeah, that'd probably be my go-to. Yeah. I'd feel pretty good after that, and be on a, you know, sometimes you have those really spicy ones, and you're sort of on a bit of a high anyway, you know, <laughs> yeah. so. You forget that you're being put to death every yeah, time, exactly. and 10 minutes after this friggin' vindaloo, I'm going down, so yeah. it doesn't matter, right? Um, now, that's pretty good. I ha- everyone, everyone has said something totally different, and I'm just like... Uh, yeah wow curry all right do that you mentioned their um vegetarian veganism we were having a chat before it as you said you listened to a couple of podcasts and one of the ones you did like was when i talked about game changers and you're possibly one of the the first people uh that have said they actually like that that bit i do what is it with 
What is it with that whole the whole dietary thing? Because you're you're a vegetarian, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you have been for uh, just over four years. Four yeah. years, yeah. And what? How how old are you? Sorry, you're thirty-three. Same, yeah, yeah, so pretty much the same age. And what was the? Was there like a defining factor? You like I'm off meat. Or I want to try this. Like, how did you sort of fall into it? I guess. Um, well, I had been vegetarian before for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, I had travelled to the Philippines as a vegetarian, which is really tricky. Yep. Um, that's a, the culture is very heavily meat based, um, Spanish influence and American influence. Um, and then I was doing toe boxing at the time and trained vegetarian the whole time. And then when I went to Thailand, I thought, hey, look, I'll start eating meat because I don't want to be rude mm-hmm. or you know culturally offensive. And if people offer me meat, hey, I'm just going to just gonna do it because I couldn't really speak Thai and I didn't want to be rude. So I started sort of slowly eating meat before I went over um, to ease into it. And then the next thing I knew, by the end, I was eating steak and eggs for breakfast every day. <laughs> so you were, you were keto at that point, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a big change. So I actually invented keto. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Stumbled across it uh, and I fill up for breakfast one morning. Yeah. And um, like I was fit, like I was probably 57 kilos at the time. I was really fit, yeah. peak of my fitness and was eating a lot of meat. And, um, and I just sort of never gave it up when I came back to Australia. Mm-hmm. And then I think um, that was 2009, you know, I probably put on a bit of weight. Well, by a little bit, I mean about 10 kilos when I stopped training. Yeah. And I thought, gosh, I should go back and, and try this vegetarian thing. I was, I was quite healthy when I was doing it. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I lost um, seven kilos in about six weeks. Wow. And I went vego. And, yeah, slowly weaned off most other animal products like eggs and cheese. And I was eating fish every now and again. Stopped eating fish yeah. after a bout of food poisoning, actually. and That'll uh, do it for you, hey? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, haven't eaten, I haven't eaten mac since the last time. I maybe want to hurl my fucking guts up. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's been good. Um, sort yeah. of at a steady weight, and um, but feel really good. So yeah, yeah. fifty-seven kilos, man. That's light. Yeah, really that, light. That I mean, light. training at the time, training about six hours a day in the gym, yeah, and and not doing much else. So mm. um, yeah, it was good. He's um, Jared used to fight Muay Thai. You still train, I guess, for fun. Oh, every yeah. now and again. Yeah. yeah. Well, how far did you get with it? Because I know. Or like on your Instagram, you showed me some footage. I've seen some footage and stuff, and and uh, and you know when people say, "Hey, I train." Like I used to do a little bit of fucking uh, uh, pad workout nights a week, you know, like jazzercise, basically. You're like, "Yeah, I've done Muay Thai." Yeah. But no, you legitimately did Muay Thai. You looked the part. Well, you were the part. How, how far yeah, did you yes get with no. it? I mean, like I, I had four fights, mm-hmm. but um, I definitely never say I was a fighter. Yeah. Um, I was around, you know, some really good champion fighters and, and um, learned some really great life lessons. Yeah. Opportunity to train in Thailand uh, back in 2009 when I was sort of thinking, hey, I really want to do this. Yeah. Uh, I trained with a guy named Sanchai, who if you know Thai boxing, he's sort of the king of Thai boxing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's had close to 400 fights. Um, wow. Uh, he'd be sort of late 30s now, so Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely never a fighter, definitely mm. never claimed to be. Uh, I think one of the unspoken rules that, that we had was that you'd sort of have to have about 10 fights before you could call yourself a fighter. Yeah. And totally agree with that. I mean, I had four fights, amateur fights, two were padded, two unpadded, lots of fun. But um, I guess being around the gym, being around the fighters, yeah. um, traveling overseas, gave me, gave me a lot of insight into it. Yeah. Um, but there's people that just train day and night uh go to work every day in australia you know all the fighters yeah. that we have here generally have to work normal jobs as well to, to make ends meet so hats off to them it's massively challenging yeah and um yeah 
there's not a lot of money in it hey like in terms of professional Muay Thai fighting like no not really um unfortunately so you know they might make a couple of grand for a fight but be training four to six weeks for that fight yeah um yeah big difference between that professional boxing um or any other professional sport really even though there's a big market for here in Australia Mm. and Australia is one of the contenders for you know a really good western country doing Muay Thai yeah um yeah there's still not that huge amount of money unfortunately yeah and it sucks too i mean like i mean you've you know i know you follow the fighting and uh, we both like we love nrl i follow afl as well i don't know if you get down with the afl but yeah you, you when you see these athletes that you just said there i mean even you, you had four fights which is to me that's fucking amazing i've that you've had four more than me so there you go you're a fighter in my books but are you training six hours a day like how did you do six hours a day? Like, I'm, like, hard enough trying to get my 100 push-ups done and, and my, my run around the block, you know what I mean? So did so, you work at that point or...? No, so six hours a day is sort of in Thailand. So, yeah. um, you know, it's a holiday. You'd have nothing else planned except doing tourist things. Yeah. Um, here in Australia, most of the guys would train about an hour and a half in the morning, mm-hmm. hour and a half at night, mm-hmm. and work six to eight hours during the day. Um, a lot of the guys that I trained with were plasterers yeah. um, or tradies in general. Um, so they would just go and, you know, be, be training at 4.45 in the morning um, and then going to work after an hour and a half. Just really strong, really resilient to be able to do that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the mindset and that. I was talking to someone this week just about, uh, I think it was my neighbor, like he's a landscape, like physically doing doing work, you know, like that physical work all day. But then then going somewhere else after work to do something like specifically you know for fitness or something when you've just you know smashed your guts out for eight hours on a bloody shovel or something like that but was um with the Muay Thai fighting was there a reason you sort of just were like tapped out after the four fights or you just were like you know what was the how come you sort of stopped doing that ah oh, 10 years ago I'd say man I think I just got lazy yeah. got, got married yeah and just went you know I think I don't know it's hard to say but it, yeah. it is really tough and um to train all the time and to fight and to work and you know lots of people have different health issues while they can't fight and for yeah. me it's mostly around getting headaches that kind of thing so yeah sort of when stopped. you were training yeah a lot of after a lot of sessions training you know getting migraines um, yeah and that that can affect your whole day oh yeah, um, yeah having kids having two kids it just it all sort of piles up so yeah, yeah. i think you gotta I'm not saying you didn't love it but you, you have to be just all in like yeah definitely 110 percent, and and yeah your, your wife and, and the kids and stuff they're, they're almost like they take second fiddle to the more time or anything like if you're going to be like that i mean you, i always think people rag on certain fighters or certain uh footballs or whatever but even to be like the shittest the shittest fighter in the ufc you know what i mean you're still fucking good like you still made the ufc exactly you know to be the yeah. shittest player on the broncos you're still on the broncos <laughs> team you know yeah. what I mean? like don't beat yourself up but yeah so yeah i mean like hats off to to them but even yourself like like i said it's hard you know and what the migraines and stuff i've never heard i've i've talked to a few different people that have, have you know done different physical things i've got a few mates that do like triathlons ultra running and stuff physically different on your body i suppose i mean they're not te- they're not worried about getting kicked and kneed and punched and stuff like that was it when you used to train right and did it just sort of come on like the migraines at some point what had like tell us about that um well i think it sort of started when i stopped training and then tried to get back into it and you try and go back in at the level that you were at previously yeah and your body can't cope Mm -hmm. you get you know your head gets overheated um i don't know the exact cause um but i know that 
when I went to Thailand just a few months ago, by easing into it, um, I was able to actually do some training. And I did get a headache after my first session. Like we went on a 7K run, then I did training and it was pretty hot over there. Yeah. Um, then by the second session, um, I'd sort of built up enough fitness and endurance to sort of coast through the second session without yeah. getting a migraine and then from then no more migraines. So it was good. Yeah, that's good. For anyone that's not like I'm, I'm a fight fan, I always talk about the UFC and stuff like that. Um, what When you were training, what... What, what's your average day? Like you said, six hours, like to run us through, like, okay, wake up and then the six hours, like what did you do? What was the routine? Um, so in Thailand, so different from Australia because yeah. centered around work here mm-hmm. in Australia. But in Thailand, they would sort of start training at um, normally seven or eight o'clock in the morning. So quite late by our standards mm. um, because the fighters don't have to go to work. And if they're tourists that are training, they don't have to work either. So um, normally a fairly big run in the morning, maybe six to ten k's yeah um i would never pull out 10 k's to be honest but um and then yeah probably two hours in the gym um there's a in australia we all hold pads for each other and in thailand there's only certain people that will hold pads so um they might only have three trainers and and 20 people that want to hold pads uh hit pads so alternating between pad work and bad work um for that two hours yeah yeah until you know your pad work is your your major um, cardio burst essentially yeah. um, and you, if you're on the bags and you, you know you're going to be on the bags for three rounds or six rounds while you're waiting for the other guys to finish pads you're sort of looking over your shoulder going I don't really want to expend that much energy because I'm going to go get my ass whooped in about five minutes but you don't want to get in trouble for not putting enough effort into <laughs> your, your bag work so yeah it's a, it's a real balanced game there so yeah but um, after your pad work, normally clinching. Yeah. Um, they don't do a lot of sparring in most gyms in Thailand, mm-hmm. purely because most of the Thai fighters will fight um, every four to six weeks. Yeah. And they don't really need to spar that often. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of clinching, grappling. Um, your first session after grappling, having someone pull on your head, your, your neck is so sore the next day or the next two or three days. Yeah. You can't move your neck. Um, like you've been headbanging at a concert or something. Yeah. You wake up the next yeah. day and it's like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the previous gyms back when I trained with Sanchai, you know, you'd fill up a bucket with concrete and they'd let it set and then they would put that bucket in their mouths with the, um, the wire that, you know, the handle and um, use their necks to lift up the concrete bucket to strengthen oh, the really? muscles. Yeah. Because I've seen yeah. there's those things in the gym now that they're, and they always look fucking ridiculous, hey? like the head weights, you know, when you can do that. And I was like, why would anyone do that? It makes sense now for the fight, for those to, yeah, wow. So they fill a bucket with concrete and you'd hold on to it with your fucking teeth, the wire thing. Yeah. Like. So just like wrap, <laughs> oh, wrap like um, a towel or something or yeah. like a whatever around it. So you're not just gripping straight onto the wire mm. and have it in your teeth, have your hands behind your back. And uh, yeah, just. Did you do that? Yeah, I did it uh, yeah. Yeah, 10 years ago. I haven't done it recently. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll get together sometime. And just yeah, it might be Whoop. fun. Flex our necks. Yeah. Um, yeah, fuck. So then you do that. So that's we're sort of like halfway through the day now at this point, yeah? Um, so let's say 7 to seven to 10. Yeah. yeah um, so you take a break, might go for a swim. Yeah. Have some lunch um, and then train again from like 3 to 6, do the same kind of thing again. Wow. Yeah. Fuck, that's dedicated, hey? Like... See, that's what I appreciate about combat sports and stuff like that. And I think oh, my, my grandfather, right, he doesn't, he, he likes boxing, but he doesn't get the UFC or the more, any of that sort of stuff. And he's like, oh, no, it's just, it's animal stuff. And I'm like, there's just so much effort that goes in. Like, you just can't wipe it out like that. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just crazy. Hey, oh, man, that's cool. You're growing up now. It's all good. 
<laughs> um, let's talk tattoos, man. You're covered in fucking ink. I've got to get. I need to share some photos of you. You don't need to film this. That's so people can see what I'm looking at here. But I noticed you on your hands. You've got. Have you got Muay Thai tattooed on your hands? Um, you yeah. got Thai tattooed on one hand. <laughs> so that's a bit of a joke tattoo that I got. Um, I've been half Thai, but actually, you know, I consider myself Australian. You yeah. know, born and raised in Australia, so. Um, kind of got a bit of a joke tattoo when I was younger. I thought, hey, that's <laughs> kind of silly, but stuff it. We got uh, I got Thai boys tattooed on my <laughs> on my hands so, yeah, just for fun, um, and it's not because it's some sort of gang thing. It's because we used to always go out and get Thai every Sunday, and we thought and we used to, we didn't have, <laughs> we just used to call the restaurant Thai boys. Let's go get some Thai boys. We so just became friends. Yeah. So just killing time in Brisbane one day, and thought, now oh, I'll just go get a tattoo while my mate's doing this other thing. Um, but look, I've covered up one part of that, so it just says tie now. So. What, so, so you got what you had the boy there. So you just, I always thought it was going to be one of these ones. You know, you feel the the, 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 the praying, praying hands. hands. Yeah, tie boys. I like yeah. that. It's a gang. It's a gang it's of pretty... friends that go and eat Thai. Yeah, pad Thai every Sunday. We evening. love satay. Um, no, it's it's pretty lame. Uh, I think Soldiers I'm, of satay. Yeah. I think some of my tattoos are pretty lame, and I'm happy to admit that. So. No, nah, I mean they look. Good. How many? Because you got the whole back done. What's the back? That's like a. Is it? Is that Thai or is that a Japanese thing? Japanese, yeah. What do you call that? It's like it looks like a dragon's face. Uh, or something. Honey mask. Honey mask. Yeah. Honey. Or honey. Honey. Yeah. So it's like an operatic mask um, used in Japanese folklore. Um, here I am trying to sound all cultured, but I'm uh, saying, I've never been to Japan. I'm a cultured so. individual. I'm just like, you got a honey mask on your back. What yeah. the fuck's that, man? Um, yeah. One of the funny things about tattoos is um, I used to joke with a friend and I'd say, look. He would always want to talk about tattoos. I said, mate, I don't talk about tattoos. It's just not a subject I like to talk about. Yeah. Um, I think that people in, in Australia try to in, imply meaning to their tattoos a lot. And, and realistically, if you boil down to it, for the vast majority of us that get tattoos, it, it is kind of just like a fashion thing. It's yeah. a vanity thing. It's not spiritually meaningful. It's not culturally meaningful. Like, I'm not Japanese. Yeah. But I, I like the look of them and I always have. But... Um, yeah, so it's a, it's kind of like a, a permanent handbag that you sort of go, hey, <laughs> yeah. I like fashion, I like tattoos. So, yeah, yeah, I, it's it's always interesting when you have those shows where they have people talking about meaning of tattoos and this means this, and on those you know those reality shows, Miami Ink or those kind of shows. Yeah, um, and most tattoo artists that I know just don't seem to care. They just want to do something that looks good. They don't care about the meaning because we're back on, man. Yeah, so. The, yeah, most of them don't really care about the meaning. So, yeah, it's. No. Does that does that um, with the meaning? I, I know what you're saying. Like I've, man, you look. You see my leg sleeve. It's started. <laughs> yeah. I've, um, yeah. I've got a chipped heart on my ankle. That, Broken heart. Uh, yeah, really tight, tough looking tattoo. You know what I mean? It rivals a lot of your work. But yeah, like, uh, Thai boys. I think to me that I'm like that's fucking funny. Why would you get that? Because you eat Thai every Sunday night. You're just like, eh, that's got meaning, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Some people do. I think get a bit wanky with that sort of shit too. I've been thinking oh, I want to get something for Arabella, and I and I always like I want something, but then I almost talk myself out because you're like, what could we do here, eh? And then you start thinking of all these things that people got. You know, like I love the whole Roman numerals tattoo. Yeah. And just like, who? That's an ancient bit of telling time like what the fuck is that gonna do with anything you're not even Italian for fuck's sake you know like get yeah. rid of Roman numerals they're frustrating to say you're just like X that's uh, 10 like it takes me forever to work out the date but yeah and you've got tattoo wiser you've got your kids names on you hey yeah I got Ziggy and Django uh, tattooed as well mm. um, 
which you know in a sort of cliche kind of spot but you know but do they, is they out of all your tats like do they mean the most for that reason because they're your kids names or? yeah I guess so yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't really thought about it too much to be honest yeah. yeah it's been a while I think I got um, I got Ziggy tattooed on me when it was one of his birthdays mm-hmm. and uh, so I ducked out <laughs> got yeah. a tattoo he's just like I'll be back to cut the cake yeah. uh, I'm gonna need $150 <laughs> yeah yeah no no I think, yeah, I mean, look, you obviously, you love your tattoos, but you obviously don't think about them too long or too seriously as well. You know, I think some people can, when you think about anything, you overthink that, Yeah. the whole point, you've lost the whole point of what you were doing in the first place because you thought about it so much, like, you know, so you wanted to get that, the honey mask on your back, so you were just like, I'm going to go do it. And now I suppose you just like, you forget it's there almost, right? Yeah, it's one of those things, it's actually something I've always wanted to get done, mm-hmm. um, potentially smaller and then I don't know one of my best mates Adam is a tattoo artist and we're kicking around ideas for what to do and plug plug him in case he listens yeah well yeah Adam Adam Christopher good (laughs) good mate of mine Um, you know we used to live together and he's been tattooing for maybe five six years Mm. Um, and he said to me one day hey I want to do a tattoo on you I said oh sure so we did a Star Wars one with Django and Boba Fett which is one of my favourite tattoos you know it's immaculate you know i was going to talk about star wars later i've got i've got hobbies and obsessions and that was exactly what i wanted to talk yeah. about um and then when the back piece came up you know there was some umming and ahhing should i do this i've heard it's really painful mm. you know um he said to me oh do you want to use numbing cream and I, I said well what's this numbing cream like i didn't really know about numbing cream because i yeah. haven't been following tattooing or tattoos for a long time and he explained it to me i said look let's just try and you know go cold turkey so to speak no numbing cream and he's like okay i'm like oh shit this is gonna be horrible um and there's certainly some bad spots but um no it was manageable that's for sure how long did it take to get your whole back done because it's your whole back like it's it's like from the top of the shoulders all the way to the top of the arse yeah it's my whole back um we're not finished yet but um, really 24 25 hours in so far probably another 12 hours to go Uh, so another two sessions minimum i would say um, look, the tattooing part does suck in some areas, but the healing part, and that's something you don't think about, that's worse. Yeah. You know, like um, the first couple of times after two days of stenciling, um, you would, I would have a shower and I'd get out of the shower and I would be so itchy. I'd feel like there was bugs crawling all over my skin and you can't do anything because you've got a fresh tattoo and you, you, can't, you can't scratch it, yeah. you can't do anything about it. Um, and then after the the next four sessions that that itching wasn't so much a problem but I did go to work I think the next day after my most recent session and I wore a black shirt which is good but I had so much like bodily fluids dripping down from uh. from the wound uh, that it was going through and the patch was about the size of my hand on, yeah. on the back of my shirt and it's not noticeable but it was actually like had gone hard like you could touch it like a scab sort of thing yeah Yeah, yeah. well like on the shirt like the shirt had gone uh, starchy so to speak so it's pretty gross and I thought oh fuck I I can't work for the next day or two after getting my back done that's disgusting you know yeah oh man that's yeah well the ankle definitely scabbed up a little bit (laughs) I can relate I know how long have you did you you said 24 hours it was the longest time you sat in the chair getting a bit done um, just so I know for when I go and get my back done I think six or seven hours was probably the longest day I think the first day doing the stencil yeah. because you kind of you have to get the stencil on um, and Adam was amazing like we were so lucky like 
he got the stencil size properly done the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's four A4 pages photocopied into two, whatever the next size is, mm-hmm. A3. Is that A3? Three. Yeah. And then putting them together and then throwing that on in one big piece got it centered and perfect the first time. Because yeah. sort of, you sort of ink the page and then sort of roll it on. Yeah, sort of yeah, yeah. And um, super lucky to, for him to just get it on the first time. And then once that stencil's on, it's like, okay, we've got to get those lines down. Yeah. Because it's very hard to, to get them down. The way your body moves, you can't come back in two weeks' time and, and fill in those gaps, so to speak. So yeah. that was about seven hours. And the next day, like, to be honest, like headaches because you're so tense the whole time. Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't sleep very well. You're, you're wrapped in plastic, like, um, to prevent getting crap all over your sheets. Um, yeah, the first couple of days are pretty rough, and then, yeah. yeah. you you got to really want the fucking tattoo, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. But I think definitely. it's cool, because, you know, like, I, I don't have many mates that, like, have heaps of tattoos. You're probably the, the most tattooed person. I oh, actually, no, I've got another friend, another Aaron, actually. He's covered in fucking tats. Same thing. He had, a, he had a good friend growing up as a tattoo artist, and I think it must be like, hey, man, I need practice, because he's just, like, I know he's covered. He's got, I don't think he's got his back, but he's got his whole front torso done. I want to get him on the show. He's a, he's, he's a good dude, really good photographer and stuff. But, um, yeah, I don't, I've never really asked him those sort of questions. So it's good to get the, the dark side of the tattooing, I suppose. Yeah, two, two weeks of healing, um, potentially two weeks of being super itchy. Um, <laughs> it, it's the price that you pay. Um, yeah, but it's not all about just being in the chair, I guess. There's, there's certainly more mm. to it, yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the Star Wars tattoo. Um, I've got on here to talk to you about hobbies and obsessions because uh, yeah, we la- that's one thing. One thing last week we sort of I think we're we're probably very different in a lot of ways, but I can I feel like we we're probably both real. Um, that's the word I'm looking for. Intense with the things that we do follow. You know, like I haven't got any tattoos of uh, anything that I follow, but Star Wars tattoo. What's the obsession with Star Wars? Like, that? That's where did that start? Um, as a kid, young age, um, can't pinpoint the moment, but, yeah, I'm a bit of a, a, bit of a Star Wars nerd. <laughs> and, uh, you know, not just the movies, but uh, comic books, books. Yes. I love Star Wars Lego. I've got a massive collection. Um, like, my whole office is just two shelves of, of Star Wars Lego. Um, but fun fact, like, when Jamie and I got together, my wife had been married 10 years this year, I, um, I sold off most of my collection that I'd sort of accumulated. It was about $2,000 worth. And I think I kept one or two sets. Yeah. And then when we had Ziggy, who's now um, seven, turning eight this year, um, we saw all this Lego on the shelves. We were buying toys for him. I thought, oh, <laughs> Star Wars Lego. Like, Here get, we go. get that back. Yeah. yeah. And he, he'd helped me build some of the sets. He was really clever and gifted from a young age to mm. build stuff. And then next thing you know, just obsession with Star Wars Lego again. Um, so this is you and, and or Ziggy is uh, me yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, sorry Zig I've yeah. put them together uh, Zig's got a couple of sets but yeah. he, he loves Lego he loves his Minecraft and stuff but yeah, yeah I'm definitely and I've got like 400 plus minifigures um, 80 plus <laughs> oh man you know, I better come around and see sets, this shit eh? yeah so Jamie look what I did I built the Millennium Falcon <laughs> again she's like cool Jared <laughs> yeah what Fuck man, Lego. So, so you only build Star Wars Lego? Like you just? Um, I remember having Lego as a kid, right? And and then doing because the, they're kind of like three D puzzles almost in, in, yeah. in that respect. Hey, so 
obviously from Star Wars, why Lego? Like, what what's the? Um, well, to be honest, I don't enjoy building it so much as just having it on display. But the cool thing about having two kids is they just love it. And so, yeah, Django generally builds the the minifigures. He's only four, but the other day, you know, we got back from Thailand and um, I had a couple sets put aside for a rainy day. And he built this set that was, you know, he's only four, for ages yeah. eight, eight and up. He built most of it with my help as well, like putting the pieces aside that he might need to use yeah. in the next step. But yeah, he's, he's really clever as well. So um, I actually prefer letting them build the sets. But once they're built, I'm yeah. like, thank you. Back, back up. <laughs> that's, that's going, that's going that, in the yeah. office now. You, so don't, you, you, you don't touch it again. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's good. So you, you build them once and then that's it. They're on display until they're not on display. Exactly. And and the reason for that, I mean, I'm a bit, bit OCD and a you know, a bit orderly like that. But um, <laughs> if I ever go down that path and I need to sell them again, it's so much easier to sell something that's not played with, that you've okay. got all the pieces, got the instructions in the box. And, yeah. And these so things, you, keep all the, you keep all the instructions, all the boxes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I flat pack the boxes because that would take up a whole garage with the amount of boxes, you know, 80 or 90 sets. But um, yeah, the value that some of these things can make, there was uh, an article years ago about how one of the biggest, the big at the time, the biggest Star Wars I guess that ever came out had uh, increased in value more than gold. And that was, yeah, I was gonna say, that's my next question. Like when you said you sold them, I'm like, hang on, I'm talking to a million, a Lego millionaire right here, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So um, I thought about getting back into it because I don't know why. I mean, the Lego itself is manufactured in um, oh, I can't remember. It's one of the Scandinavian countries. Yeah. Forgive me because I can't remember. Um, it's not Sweden, so one of the other ones. And, but there must be components manufactured in China and mm-hmm. there's this huge shortage at the moment for Star Wars Lego and uh, I thought you know there's a shortage there's a market there's there's a you know kind of like the toilet paper thing yeah. <laughs> someone needs a shit uh, yeah. I've got the answer for him for a f- handsome fee yeah but it's kind of like knowing that toilet paper would increase in value in 10 years and you could sell it for 5 times what you paid yeah. for it so, which is probably not going to happen but with Star Wars Lego I went and found um, a set that's like 20 bucks and I know that in a year's time, that set could be 50. In two years' time, it could be 60 or 70. Mm. Just for fun, you know, why not? And the good thing about it is it's like you're going to do it anyway because you like, you obviously like having the product there, you know, the money yeah. the money just comes second. But it's kind of cool that, and I think a lot of people, like, you stumble on that shit accidentally. You're just like, oh, I want to build Star Wars Lego. I love it. And then you're like, oh, geez, I've got to get rid of it. Hang on, this shit's worth a bit of cash. Like, yeah, totally. It's like forty-year-old version where he has all <laughs> yes, the toys, you know, yeah. and he sells them off in the end and, and makes like a shitload of money. But um, yeah, I don't know. And there's probably so many things out there like that, you know. Even like little toys and stuff that we probably had growing up. Did you ever have Mighty Max growing up? They were like, remember Polly Pockets for girls? Yeah, yeah. They were oh, like, like the heads that would yeah, fall yeah. open. Yeah, yeah. I remember me and a mate in preschool, it was a few of us, and I just remember we just frothed on those things. And then you could get like the Mighty Max of mountain thing that would, yeah. all the heads would sit in. Man, what I wouldn't... I see see now, like as an adult, a 31-year-old male talking about it, I'm like, I could fucking get it. It's a Mighty Max. You know, yeah. It's probably the same sort of thing. I, I get nostalgic and I look back at some of the toys I played with and don't go and buy them, but I look them up. The, the, you know, that's how good the internet is. You can just look it up, go, cool see it again brings mm. back the nostalgia and then yeah I'm not going to get by it but um, these are the cool things that we used to play with yeah yeah. I um did you ever watch Cheese TV as a kid yeah sounds familiar yeah, yeah. I remember we used to watch it every day before school and like I, I I was raised on that shit I still follow the Facebook page Cheese TV and they always post the old shit and like you with that you were just saying like 
I just get a massive nostalgia kick and you're just like, yes, yes. Like uh, Ninja Turtles. Did you watch Ninja Turtles? Yeah, I loved it as a kid. Um, I think once, once Star Wars came into my life, it just overtook everything, everything else. Everything fizzled out. Yeah. yeah. Well, so you've, um, are you a big fan of the new Star Wars? Um, not really. I mean, Disney Star Wars, there's people that hate it, there's people that love it. I kind of like to sit in the middle. I think it does what it means to do and yeah. used to do for the new generation but um, it, it's hard because there's a nostalgia aspect with the older movies you can see the flaws of them yeah. because you grew up with them as a kid you sort of overlook those flaws with Disney now there's a lot of glaring sort of things and as an adult 33 years old it's like I can't <laughs> not see those flaws um, and I'm a bit a huge film buff as well and I love more like drama sort of film rather yeah. than I, I don't like CGI film I don't like you know Marvel movies or blockbusters so yeah. to speak so I'm Star Wars is my yeah. one sort of kiddie nerdy thing that I'm allowed to like <laughs> in my own mind yeah yeah, yeah. what's your favourite Star Wars movie of the series like if you had to pick one um I feel like I know what you're going to say but I'm going to let you say it look I'll tell you if I'm right or wrong everyone would say or not everyone but Empire Strikes Back is universally thought of as the best out of you say all of the Star Wars movies yeah. of the what do we have like how many is there gosh there's nine it, plus in, like, two is it going to be 12 or something? That's what they made. Plus the new series and shit. So they made three initially, then they made another three. Yeah. And then haven't they done one, two, and they're doing about to do another third one? Maybe. Is that 12? That's nine. Yeah, there's nine. Yeah. Nine that have been released, plus the, You're the, Star the Wars two spin offs. Two spin offs? Yeah. Yeah, the Rogue One is that one. Rogue and One and Solo. Mandalorian. Was, is that a Mandalorian TV series? Mandalorian is a TV or? series, yeah. So that yeah. sort of doesn't count, hey? It counts in the canon, but it's yeah, not a movie, so it has a lot more time to expand yeah. on its characters but um yeah empire is sort of like the best one you know that's air the- quotations but i think for me it's probably the, the first movie episode four strangely enough is that a new hope around. yeah in a new yeah. hope yeah uh, probably holds the most nostalgia because it kicks everything off you've got darth vader and stormtroopers mm-hmm. you've got that classic sort of mythology tale of the you know the hero taking on the hero's journey with the mentor mm. all those kind of things um Oh, it's, it's hard because then I look at Return of the Jedi and I love the space battle at the end of Return of the Jedi. Um, yeah, Jedi's good. Yeah. yeah. But then you've got the Ewoks and you've got that sort of um, throwing that kid thing in there that makes it marketable. Let's make these Ewoks that are plush toys so that kids mm. can go crazy and buy our toys and sort of steps it down a notch. But I think <laughs> out of the most recent movies since Disney's taken over, this yeah. is a lot easier for me to answer would be Rogue One. Yeah. Um, you know, it's essentially an original trilogy movie. It's got Darth Vader being a badass. It's got stormtroopers. It's got really cool space yeah. battles. Um, ben Mendelsohn playing the villain. Um, yeah, definitely the best. He, he's good, man. I like Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. Hey, um, we, yeah, we're both film buffs. I often talk about movies and shit. And yeah, not a lot of people know him, but like he's in so many things. And he always, he always plays a good villain almost like he's kind of built to be a bad person if that makes sense you know like yeah yeah i um we sort of got onto ben Mendelssohn. um i didn't really know who he was until we watched this series i think it's a netflix series and it's called bloodline yes and um yeah yes. great great show um, have we talked about bloodline before no we haven't that no. was that's probably one of the best the best ones on netflix yeah that definitely. first season i mean yeah. yeah it has to be the first season yeah and it was cool you know he's an australian playing uh you know a guy from florida um, dark past, dark history, but it's been a while since I've watched it. But mm. anyone that's listening, oh, Bloodline definitely worth checking out. It's yeah. only three seasons, so you don't have to commit to too much. 
I um, know. Oh, but it's all it's all contained. It's, you can sort of tell it was written from the onset. They knew where it was going. It's not like The Walking Dead or something where they have no idea where it's going and they're just making shit up as they go along. Mm. It's, um, yeah, well contained. I, I like that. That to me, and no spoiler reviews, of course, I... That could have been a one and done season, you know, one and done series. Yeah, the way they, like, I know the way they do it, you kind of like, oh, yeah, what happens next? But it, it, the, the cool thing about that show, it was a great story, but the characters are so good. Like, his character was so good, and it, it, it was quite confusing. Kind of like, where's this shit gonna go? Yeah. And is it gonna be good for someone? But I liked it. Did you hit the, my first, my first thing with Ben Mendelsohn was, um, did you ever watch Animal Kingdom? Oh on yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Did, did you ever see the movie? There was the a movie, movie. Yeah, yeah, I've seen yeah. the movie. Yeah. And he's um, like a prick yeah. in it. Hey, like yeah. he's just like such yeah. a such a prick. Um, yeah, that might have possibly been my first yeah. one. Um, I love Australian movies, um, well, especially that type of genre, crime movies. Um, yeah, he was really good in that. Um, he was also in a movie I watched recently that's on Netflix called The King. Um, I haven't seen that. No. Which is directed by the director of Animal Kingdom, um, David. Michaud, I'm probably butchering that name, but Australian director um, did a really good movie about one of the kings. Is it, is it an <laughs> Aussie mean, movie or is it like an old? No, it's historical. Like old ancient I love historical stuff, movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he plays a great part in that as well. It's only a little cameo, but really yeah. good. Yeah. What? I love it, man. Goodfellas is my favorite movie ever. Like that's my that's my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. What's your favorite movie of all time? Well, Ma- first, I'll say Goodfellas, I mean, is amazing. Yeah. Um, I love Casino. I think a little bit more because I like the gambling aspect, the casino aspect. Yeah. But it is kind of like a remake of Goodfellas. Not a remake, but... Yeah. It's, to me, it's like Goodfellas, it, Casino, but yeah. they're both, both sick. You yeah. Know I mean? It like, hits on some of those same notes. But yeah, Goodfellas came first, 1990. Scorsese's probably my favorite director, you know, in terms of the content that he's put out mm. and the movies that he's, that he's put out and... Oh, his stance on Marvel movies just recently was hilarious, you know. Um, he was there, not like true cinema or something. No, like not that. true film, yeah, yeah something it, yeah. like that, referring to them as like theme parks. And, you know, I recently just watched all the Marvel movies and I thought, I've got to watch them. Everyone's obsessed with them. I've got to see what they're all about. And there's not, a, there's some good aspects, yeah, but yeah. you can tell that these people are in a, in a room with a, just a whole bunch of blue screens, green screens, and um, there's not a lot of soul to it. There's not a lot of danger. Yeah, I. It's I very can't. formulaic. So I've tried to watch Avengers probably like three times, man, and it yeah. just it makes me want to have a fucking seizure. Like <laughs> I'm just like slow down. Yeah. I I like, like say DC. You know, comics wise, growing up, I read comics as a kid, and I always liked the Marvel comics growing up. You know, probably probably not as much as the, the fans out there. You know, like, I'm not, I wasn't obsessed. Um, but like the you know batman movies that they just killed it you know I mean that recent joker movie killed it like they're yep. just so and i like dark shit so there's so much darker than the marvel the good ones are yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. well like i wasn't yeah, yeah under green lantern that there was some oh, shit yeah. i wasn't really into the superman movie it was a bit boring i thought but but like to me iron man like he's the coolest marvel character and and robert downey jr makes him but the rest of them, they're all a bit kind of fucking camp, you know. It's a little bit... Uh, yeah, I don't know who I could pick out as the best best character. People probably say, like, Loki, because he's someone that's not black and white, someone that's got some shades of grey, and there's, mm. there's an interesting story going on. They're probably Loki. Um, even Thanos, I mean, somebody that has motivations. Like the, the, the good villains have, you know, motivations for why they're doing what they're doing, and mm. he has a little bit of that, but... Um, yeah, it's not really explored that much. I got halfway through the most recent Avengers, 
and and I did turn it off. So I haven't watched the last half of that, to be honest. Done a whole spoiler alert. Done a whole bunch of them dying in. I Does think Iron that's Man the one die? before. Does, does Iron I don't Man know. Yeah, oh, no, no, you might be right. It might be the, the most I thought recent. That was so, it. spoiler alert. Yeah. All these fucking dudes, because I'm on um, these, you know, like film groups and stuff like that on Facebook, and people just fucking losing their mind because half the Avengers just got slaughtered to death or something like yeah. that. I don't know what happens in it. Yeah. I'll take. I keep Iron Man. I like Iron Man. Yeah. But, yeah, whatever. So. Back to that original question. Yeah, what was, yeah. It, what was it? Um, so, yeah, my favourite movie of all time, um, and it has been for a long time, um, is The Thin Red Line. Thin, it's the Thin Red isn't Line. Isn't that an Australian yeah. war movie? Not Australian. It's uh, American. So Is it? But there's, is there a... Maybe I'm thinking... I've, I know, I've seen it years ago. It's uh, 1997, oh, like, I think. Yeah, maybe yeah. 98. That came out when I was primary school, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. So, it's... It's, it got nominated for like not that the Academy Awards is the be all and end all, but it mm. it did get nominated for about eleven Academy Awards or seven, seven, eleven, something like mm. that. And it happened to come out the same year as Saving Private Ryan, yeah. which you know did this massive clean sweep at the Oscars kind of thing. But um, two different sort of war movies. Um, Thin Red Line is set in uh, Guadalcanal, um, uh, 1941, 1942. Yeah, um, huge ensemble cast. There's Little cameos from like Nick Nolte. Um, oh, he's a pretty major character. Yeah. But John Travolta, George Clooney, um, Sean Penn, yeah. Jim Caviezel. Uh, Kev- Caviezel. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. He died a pretty World sure War II Jesus. Yeah. yeah. He got pinned to a cross. Um, but um, look, most of the good good scenes in Thin Red Line, it's not a huge action packed movie. It's yeah. probably three hours long. Um, most of the good scenes are the dialogue, the talking yeah. between the different characters. Generally speaking, there's a character with an authority and then they're speaking down to somebody below them or something like that. And and the script is, is amazing. Um, the narration's really good. Mm. Um, yeah, I have never found anything to sort of top that. And I've seen, obviously, thousands of movies, but it's it's always probably going to be my favourite movie. Yeah. Um, Do you watch it like... Is it one that you just always watch it if you no, need to? Like- it's a sort of a... It's a hard buy-in because it is three hours yeah trying to find three hours on a day when you you know you just sit down <laughs> yeah. and watch a movie um is tricky i know that jamie and i i tried to get her to watch it um she fell asleep probably she probably made about an hour in um <laughs> but yeah it's it's definitely up there i can recite whole scenes from the movie um yeah, yeah. man that's in i've i would never have picked that i don't know what i mean look star wars aside of course but I, yeah, we talked about it last week. I'm not much of a war fan, you know, like Saving Private Ryan, for example. I, like, I hate that movie. Yeah, wow. I okay. hate it because, and the one thing, this is, like, like I, I love horror, right? Yeah. I really appreciate horror because I find it's, it's not real. I yeah. think, uh, it's like a fantasy almost in a way. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a piss take. It's a joke for me. You get a good few cheap thrills at it. Awesome. Yeah, cool. So, you know, the war movies, they're usually based on real shit. And yeah. You know, Saving Private Ryan, for example, that that first initial ten minutes, man, it just makes me feel sick the whole time. And I don't know if that was what it was intended to do, but I think that's why I just can't handle. It. I'm like, this is some real shit. This actually happened, and you feel bad watching it. You, feel, I, I genuinely felt bad for the guy. Yeah. There's that scene with the guy holding his guts. Yeah. And there's that other guy that's got his fucking arm by. You know, he's holding his arm that's just been blown off. Yeah, he's and carrying his like, arm back to the yeah. to the front line, sort of thing. Yeah. And you're like, oh fuck, like that's real. I, I can't deal with that. Yeah, and the funny thing with me is it is gory and it is violent. Mm. Um, it's realistic. It, it's hard to say how realistic because 
we don't have a lot of footage from some of those really crazy battles because who's going to be filming yeah. while they're in the middle of this intense battle? Because that was specifically them dropped off at, at a beach that um, in a place where they weren't meant to be dropped off and the defences weren't, um, you know, hadn't been bombarded the way they were meant to be by, yeah. the, by the Navy. So it, it could have been so hectic, but we don't really have, I think, that much footage of that landing because mm. I don't think anyone would have been filming. There was other landings at Normandy that day where people were basically able to, to, to run off um, off those boats and, and not really get shot at, so... Um, that's yeah. a good one. I've never think I've never thought about that aspect of it. Like who, yeah, who the fuck's filming this shit? Like, it, it's just a reenactment, you know? Yeah, what I mean? yeah. I always think that on those, you know, those like the the plane shows, like the planes going down, it's a reenactment. You're just like, will they really doing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny thing about um, gore and and violence. Like, the reason I don't like horror. Um, years ago, like 12, 14 years ago, I guess I've always had a bit of a soft stomach and. <laughs> um, I just we just got in this thing my friend and I we watched this realistic footage of all these horrible things that were happening in you know let's say the Iraq war or yeah. different things and it was all real footage and I ended up passing out and uh, <laughs> it was just too full on and like there was just I won't even mention it just the horrible things yeah. that they'd compiled and you know eye opening definitely but I wouldn't watch it again but they were real real footage though, real like, footage what yeah. you just watch this on YouTube or was this like no it was actually oh god it was a DVD like back when DVDs were a thing it's a DVD you could buy uh, rent from it, Video Easy it was it was this wasn't called like the worst taboos ever or something like that no, no. but I think I've heard of that one now, this one was called uh, Terrorists Killers and Middle East Wackos so I'll always <laughs> remember that name but there was a guys that did um, bum fights Yes, and um, yes. they thought let's just put out this thing, and there's no there's no uh, no filter, nothing in between each segment. It's just raw footage, raw yeah. footage, absolutely horrible. And I remember waking up on my couch, and my friends like tapped me, going, "Hey man, you passed out." I was like, "Shit, that was that was some intense shit." Like, yeah. let's turn that off, and he'd already turned it off. But years later, um, Jamie and I went and saw uh, a movie with her brother, and. Um, didn't really know what the movie was and it was uh, i've never been a big fan of horror i've got a mum that's uh, i was raised christian my mum was very anti-horror growing up so we weren't exposed to it um but we went and saw this movie um wasn't horror but 127 hours oh um, yeah that's and, james franco in the rock yeah and to tie this back to the whole moito thing this was um i think it was a week before my third fight i hadn't eaten anything that day I hadn't eaten a thing uh, was cutting weight because weight cutting the thing, uh, even though I was super small already, I had to cut about three kilos for this fight. And so I just drunk, you know, a little bit of water and stuff throughout the day. And, um, yeah, I went and saw this movie at Maruchidor and gets to that end scene, that horrible graphic scene. that's like sort of that medical sort of surgery type stuff. And uh, I passed out <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, Jamie thought I was just joking, and I, you know, when I came to, <laughs> fuck man, like the cinema lights were on, the movie had stopped, they were getting paramedics to take me out, <laughs> hugely embarrassing. There I am getting escorted out, and it was funny because my best friend's uh, best friend Geordie, his wife at the time, she worked at the cinemas and she had to come in. She was working that night, and she was one of the people that helped me out. And, you know, they did all the tests and checks yeah. and everything. <laughs> And like I, f- I went to work the next day, and I was talking to a friend of my friends at work, and I felt horrible. And he explained it to me. He said, "Man, your your brain's just shut down. Like you're, it's like shutting a computer off hard reset, and then trying to turn it back on. It's going to take some time." And I ended up going home sick. And I'm not the sort of person to ever go home sick, but 
felt horrible for the next day or two. Just yes. the weird sort of chemicals that must get released into your body when you have that sort of yeah. thing where you faint or pass out. And I haven't had it since, but I've been Touch close with, a couple yeah. of times. And so, you know, we'll have a bit of fun with my friends at work because we go see movies and I'll be like, all right, is it gory? If it is, going to pass. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be that guy yeah, again. You know? I may pass out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's the thing with that, those gore porn or those horror movies. Um, yeah. Now I know I just can't watch them because I will just pass out um, most likely. But that is, int- I've never heard anyone do, I mean, I, that, that's, it doesn't surprise me, you know, that's a thing, but I've never come yeah. across it. Well, people see their own blood and they pass out. I've never had that sort of issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. One oh, funny story. Once I've got this scar on my head and I, I cut my head open once and my ex at the time saw it and she wanted to be a doctor and she saw it and she was just like i feel so sick and i was like hey i'm okay yeah but we better go to the doctor and get like 10 stitches chucked in this kind of thing but <laughs> so it was okay in real life i think you have that adrenaline you're expected yeah ah oh, but yeah so if my jamie watches gray's anatomy and i walk in there's some sort of surgery thing I'm you like, can't do i'm out yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't like medical stuff like that i'm not really in, into you know what i mean um there, there's a couple of scenes in movies and stuff like and not to make you pass out, but there was this, this scene in one of the Saw movies. Maybe it's like Saw Four because I love all those movies. Yeah, and it's a scene where he's like getting the he's getting this bit of his skull drilled out to like release pressure on his brain, and he had to stay awake. This is the killer, you know, at the time, and yeah. he was dying. And I was just like, and I remember watching that, going, "Fuck, this is the worst part of the movie. Like, you could kill anyone in heinous ways, but an actual real life medical thing like this, I'm like, nah, that's it for me. I was like. I was, you know, looking away going, I feel yeah. fucking queasy here, dude. Yeah. That's, that's kind of funny though. Hey, you have to come around and just try and get your pass out <laughs> sometimes. Like, I'm going to put on this one. It's a good one. No blood, I swear. Like, movies like, say, Joker. Did you like that? Did you see yeah, that? Yeah, I love that. I saw that twice. So, yeah. yeah I, I saw it twice too. The second time around, I felt like it was even, it was sadder because you yeah. pick up different things and yeah. I was like, fuck man, I just feel bad for this guy. Hey. Yeah. You know, even though he turned into like a crazy you know criminal yeah it was critics saying stupid things i mean critics always will but that it's a dangerous movie you know that it might influence people to go and do things all this kind of stuff and it's like mental health is such a big issue Mm. and so talked about and um it's a movie that sort of examines that but puts a spin on it by being you know part of the a superhero universe so yeah great movie definitely Yeah. yeah i i i was one I mean, this show we, you know, I, I discuss like mental health on my own. I discuss it with other people that have been on. If 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 that's something they want to talk about, um, and that was one thing that that when that movie first came out, people were just fucking losing their minds because it was, and it, I guess when you do watch the movie, it is like that. It's like a real mental health sort of thing. Yeah. And then he turns into the villain, but he's kind of made out to be a hero, look a hero, you know, in a way, I suppose. But at the end of the day, you're just like, man, it's a fucking movie. You know what I mean? Like, I know mental health is a real thing, but you are watching a movie. Like, yeah. be an adult, take some responsibility, step back and just go, yeah, that was cool. I watched Sons of Anarchy, right? I haven't run out and buy, bought a Harley Davidson and, and joined a fucking the local MC. <laughs> yeah. Yet, you know, yet. No one talks about how many stormtroopers died in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. The dude. mass murder. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's, it's a fantasy movie. Yeah. So. Genes- the genocide <laughs> on the, on the, yeah. the Death Star. Yeah. Yeah. That that's I always, my whole life I've always, you know, uh, I always found that interesting. And you know, you, you're a musician, and uh, and you've been. No, in I'm not a musician. What, you, <laughs> I know you've been in a band. What did you I do? I have zero musical you're talent. You're the singer. I w- yeah, if you could call it that. So the screamer. You know, you, no, not even that. I mean, 
sort of that yelling hardcore yeah. so oh, terrible voice terrible singing voice can't sing a note can't play instrument i didn't want to be in the band but thought you know let's stuff it let's just have fun yeah and we we're kind of like a joke band we had three front men and um but gosh we had some fun you yeah know, that's that's what it's all about what was really, the band so. called again uh, the band was Stand or Fall. Stand or Fall. Yeah. I'm definitely Googling YouTube now. <laughs> yeah, you might be able to find I've got to find you, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is back in the day when I was part of a church. It was like a Christian hardcore band. So this is so far removed from my life now. But yeah. the memories, obviously, are still there and, and how much fun we had, obviously. Yeah, we yeah we talked about religion last time. I, I always found that the Christian the Christian metal band, because that's, that's a pretty big genre if, you, if you're looking for it. Yeah, you know what I mean? like, yeah. There's some bands that I've listened to actually... And look, I'm, we talked about, like, I'm pretty anti-religion. I, I don't believe in gods or anything like that. And sometimes you'll be listening to a band and then I, you almost get like that after you find out that it's so heavily religious. You're just like, oh. Mm. The Killers, for example. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't realize that. The Killers? That Brandon Flowers, the wow. singer, is like full-on God-bothering, you know, no like 24. Way. I think he's like, I don't know what, like, he, he's at, not not Catholic. It's like one of the really hardcore, like, not Mormon, but it's like a, maybe like a Seventh-day Adventist or something right, like that. Yeah. And I seen him, like... I had no idea. Neither yeah. did I until I saw this recent interview with him and someone challenges him on something. And I was like, holy fuck. Not that, like, I've listened... I like The Killers, but not that I picked up a lot of that shit in their music. Um, but, yeah, it sort of does change it, like one of my pet hates you know I, I, the UFC the octagon I hate yeah. it when they thank God <laughs> yeah. do not thank God right? yeah. you just you just lost stock in my book yeah I mean I thank you God for I smashed this person I knocked him out <laughs> yeah, I mean huge I'm a huge hypocrite it's because <laughs> 10 years ago when I went to Thailand I got some um, Muay Thai pants made and, and had Jesus on them and I had I think my fourth fight I had Jesus on my pants and very cringy for me to look back at that now yeah. being much more open-minded and mature and being agnostic but yeah obviously influenced at the time by by the UFC there's people yeah. that a lot of the Brazilian guys are raising that sort of background he- heavily um, religious eh? American people yeah um, yeah did you so you at one point were you, were you would you say you were quite religious and then you sort of just you weren't or you fell I, I out was, of yeah. it um, yeah up until Thailand 2009 so that was the catalyst for me to change. I think going there, being with, you know, living with Buddhist people, um, Thai, Thai people are just so, so loving, so gracious. Mm. You know, when we were there just this last month, they're always bringing you food and oh, it's just incredible. And, and, you know, they're heavily, you know, Buddhist country. As a Christian, you're taught that underlying, but maybe not spoken about so much. But if you don't love Jesus, if you don't love God, then you're going to, burn in hell for eternity and that's where we could probably segue to the whole Israel Folau thing in, yeah, in, in yeah, yeah. but, but um, yeah, it's really hard to sort of think that about people when they've been so loving and so yeah. so gracious to you and and it's a flip side to, to some how some of the Christian people will treat you um, in Australia or you know in, in the other countries in the world like televangelists and people that just want your money and yeah um, really opening because um, yeah I went over with a good friend of mine we were both quite heavily religious. He came back a week before me. We came back. Don't even think we spoke about it. But it yeah. just we just unanimously sort of left the church at the same time. I sort of hung around with, um, you know, I've got some really good friends from the church and had some really amazing experiences, life-changing experiences. But um, we, we did leave and sort of never really went back. I went back once or twice, yeah. had a couple of negative experiences and went, nah, we're, we're sort of done. So yeah. Yeah. You've like, you've seen the light, like you saw what you needed to yeah, see. Yeah. It's, you know, 
like waking up from the matrix and going, okay, well, <laughs> I know the truth, or at least I know what isn't the truth. So yeah. I'm going to explore other options now um, and be open, more open-minded, you know? Yeah, no. And um, what you just said before, that statement of, yeah, if you, while you, you're loving God and believing in God, it's all good, but if you don't or you don't follow this, you'll burn in hell. Or you, yeah. I always... Yeah. To me, that's always a flawed thing, you know what I mean? Look, and look, the big one of the biggest things I don't believe in God, and this this is this could be a fucking long podcast because <laughs> yeah. of this question. But it's like, you know, how do you, how are we on Earth? It's like, well, I don't know. Like, I don't know the answer. I, I don't believe a God created us, so it has to be science then. You know what I mean? But it's yeah. almost like, how is it all just? It is how we are now. You know, you know about the dinosaurs and ancient civilizations and the pyramids and Aboriginal and all these things that goes back and back and back. And you're here right now and you're like, I still don't know how we fucking got here. I just still yeah. find it hard to believe that a God invented this. You know, like it, that, that's my sort of argument. That's why I, I, yeah. you know, I, I find it hard to believe that we can prove anything anyway because you get stuck in a, a religious person with a scientific person. They'll, they'll never be able to find middle ground because one person's saying one thing, the other person's saying the other. And neither person was there 6,000 yeah. to 6 billion years ago and has any evidence or proof. So... Why, why bother standing on this really, you know, high horse and declaring your, you know, your beliefs when you you can't even justify them in any particular way. You can justify them to the way you, you want to live your own life, mm. but as soon as it starts influencing other people and, and pushing other people away, um, that's when it becomes a problem. So I'll definitely say I'm agnostic. I'm on the fence. You know, I was told once the fence sitters will burn in hell <laughs> but, as well, but but um, like I said, it's, it's so hard to prove. We don't know. There's so much we don't know. So yeah, why make statements that you can't back up or prove? For sure. I've, look, I've got mates that are religious that I've never seen them, you know, I've never seen it hinder their lifestyle, you know, I mean, having beers or doing other naughty things or whatever it may be. Um, but then they go to church on Sunday morning, you know what I mean? They'll do that as well, which I'd never would. I mean, I don't want to lift a finger on a fucking Sunday, let alone go to church. But yeah, it is weird. It's a the religious one is is a good question, and I, I almost, you know, I'm respectful of it too. I, I feel like I, if I know someone is highly religious, I'm not gonna push my look. You shouldn't believe in God because there is yeah. no God. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, Ricky Gervais to me summed it up. He always sums it up better than anybody, depending on, on the topics he's talking about. But when he has that argument with Stephen Colbert, or Stephen Colbert trying to bait him, you know, yeah, I think we talked about this. But it was like, you know, there's maybe like three thousand gods in the world, or something like that, and and he was just like to Stephen Colbert, he's like, well, you, you believe in. Uh, you don't believe one. in 2,999. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I just believe in one less than you do. Yeah. So it's like, who's who's right? Who's yeah. wrong? And I'm like, yeah, that, you know, if you believe in one, well, it's like, fuck, do you believe in them all? When clearly you, people don't. They have their one God. I don't know. It's interesting, man. It's a fucking, it's a, it's a black hole. Hey. I've got this theory about, um, and I don't know if I made it up myself or I've heard it somewhere, to be honest, but about people that are Christians or in churches or in any particular re- religion, really, and how they got to where they are. Now, to me, I would say there's two types of people that are in churches. There's the people that were born and raised. So from a young age, they're told there's a God, there's hell, there's the devil, there's sin, there's good, you know, mm. follow these steps, love Jesus, and bad things won't happen, or if they do, you'll learn. It's all planted in their brain from a young age. And I think the, the real major turning point for me was when we had Ziggy and we went, okay, this child will believe whatever I tell him. Mm. So that's how influential the parent can be is, um, so why, 
try and force them into a particular way, let them discover it, ask their own questions. Yeah. But in the church, for example, there's two types of people, the, the ones that are born and raised in the religion. Mm. Then there's the ones that have come to Christianity because their lives are so horrible. There's horrible things happened as, at a young age and they need a community. They need to, to someone to support them. Mm. Um, naturally in Australia or in a Western culture, we're going to radiate towards church because that's what is visible. That's what around. There's not mm. that many mosques around. I mean, I don't even think there's a mosque on the Sunshine Coast. If no, there was, there would be yeah. <laughs> everyone up in arms about it. Fucking would have seen it, yeah. You know, there's no Buddhist temple here. There's, yeah. You know, in Thailand, there's Buddhist temples every corner. So people radiate towards the largest, closest group generally they can find, and it's most of the time it's some form of church that does provide that sense of community, um, can help them out financially potentially. Um, I, it's really hard to find a rational, you know, happy, content person that is open-minded that just thinks one day, hey. Everything's great in my life, but I'm going to go start giving 10% of my money and going to go to this church and believe in this invisible being just because. Yeah. Like, I've never seen it happen. I don't say it, it hasn't ever happened ever, but find me something. I'd agree with you. Yeah, well, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. People have some bad shit happen and they need to find God. They need, they need some help. Yeah. Or they're born into it. I mean, you see that, you know, the, remember the West... Barrow Baptist Church, you know, yeah. those fuckers that have like raised it and they were, the, where they were there, like the fags burning hell, they like all the yeah. really horrible signs, and they go and pick it like dead soldiers' funerals. And you're just like, fuck, man, like if, if I think you've misheard the message, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Maybe, but you guys are fucked in the head. Yeah. I, I recently, uh, I really like Tyson Fury, the, the new heavyweight champion boxer, and um, I would have followed him forever, but I, I like a lot of his stuff, very motivational character. And, um, yeah, I don't know if you know much about him, but like, long story short, you know, he 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 was a gypsy fighter, so bare knuckle boxing, you know, hard hard as coffin nails. Then he, you know, through his boxing career, got the heavyweight title. Woke up the next morning, was just like, oh fuck, I'm over boxing. You know, became an alcoholic, started doing drugs, sleeping with prostitutes, just put on weight, mental health issues, wanted to kill himself. You know, and then it was like, changed his whole team, wanted to get the get the gold back, and just he reckons that the only thing that made him actually get his ass back in the gym and stop doing all that shit was god yeah and i'm just like how man like i just i just i just that's something that i can never fathom you know what i mean because touch wood i mean i've never had a moment like that where i'm like oh geez okay the only thing i've been tapped on the shoulder here like i'm, I'm thinking do these guys have something that just has to happen in their life like they've had that moment where someone literally has tapped them or they've had a dream and the gods come to them and dream or something they believe it so much but you almost just find it hard to believe some people and you're like okay like you haven't just motivated yourself you, you you know being addicted to cocaine is is you know we've all done some coke it's fun but it's bad every day you know like it's got it's got its uh it's cons you know like it's i just found that really bizarre because i'd never heard that and i saw it in the interview the other day and i was like oh fuck man i was like and almost in my book i'm like kind of lose a bit of stock as bad as that sounds like yeah i don't know it's well weird. people i mean we, we sort of do need to believe in something greater obviously mm. than ourselves and a little bit of a cliche but and who knows what there is out there i mean i being agnostic you think there's always that possibility of something is that um, what what is i've heard agnostic is that what that is? yeah essentially someone that's sort of undecided you know you want, doesn't you want to believe it you're not sure yeah it doesn't yeah. want to pick a side in the battle you know i can i'll well i've definitely got my leanings towards being more on the atheist side of things because yeah. of the life that I've lived but uh, and what I've seen obviously behind the scenes or you know being a really religious person mm. for a long time you know but um, 
And I think it's great for people to find reason or meaning. Like if he's now become the heavyweight champion again and he puts it down to that, well, that's great. The question would be, you know, is it some form of subconscious? And yeah. Because he was raised, potentially that was something that was always around. He's picked up on it. You know, he didn't decide to be a Muslim mm. um, because he probably wasn't raised in a Muslim environment. I mean, his culture is very heavily... I mean, my dad and my whole family from Northern Ireland and stuff like that, you get the Protestant Catholic thing, you yeah. know, they've got religious history. So, I mean, he would have been probably raised like that. Oh, so he's well. Irish? He's or? Irish, yeah, oh, he's right. Irish, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that would explain... I thought it was English, gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> we'll edit that out, don't worry about this. Yeah. This isn't live, man. <laughs> but, yeah, I know what you're saying, yeah, it's... it's uh, Yeah, it's a weird one, hey. The religious, the religious argument is always an interesting one. Like, I, I can't see a world where it's ever gone... But I'd like to live in a world where it is gone one day, just to see how it goes. Yeah, it would be interesting. I mean, it's the cause of so many of our wars. I mean, like we mentioned, I love my historical movies. And you go back and even just talking about the Protestants and Catholics Mm. and just the conflict between people that believe in the same God, but believe that their interpretation is different that allows them to like really viciously murder and, and, and kill people from the other religion it's it's just being on the outside it's so insane it's Um, yeah it is weird it's just like how do you fathom that yeah something that's meant to be so good and positive and yet it makes you do all this heinous shit because you've you've misread the yeah the the story like oh you look back you're just like oh fuck genocide i shouldn't have done that you know like i always think i love heavy metal right so it's like i fucking love slayer oh yeah but if you don't like slayer it's like I'm gonna fucking kill you. you know what I mean? Like that's it. We don't agree. You're a, you're a fucking Metallica fan. No, that's it. Slayer are the best thrash band. No Metallica. It's like we got a war over that. Yeah. You never get that in the heavy metal world because they love each other. But it's almost like to me, it's almost like that's stupid. You know, you just yeah. like I love Slayer so much. I don't. My dad could beat your dad up. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's see. Just murder each other for the next thousand years. Oh man. Um, insane. Yeah. Religion fucks you up. You mentioned Israel Flower. We talked about that. We might as well get controversial because ruffle some fucking feathers. Hey, that what we were talking about last week. I I have my two cents on that statement. He basically put out some hateful, hateful comments about the gay community. Yeah, I think it was. I didn't even know exactly on, what he said. Going was on it? about a year now. Yeah. it was a tweet. I think it was Twitter. He said that the homosexuals should burn in hell, or that it's not a thing, hell, or something like that. I think quote unquote it was something like hell awaits gays or homosexuals. Yeah. Um, along with some other things now I'm pretty sure he's he is Christian obviously but yeah. um, Tongan background one of the more hardcore sort of churches yeah. I, I think from he's memory, pretty staunch yeah, into whatever he's into and, yeah. and very religious what I found interesting about that was the furor over it now I understand he's a he's a you know I don't agree with his you know his statement yeah. at all I think it's you know from a very old school religion that I don't agree with but um just a furor over it was quite funny because all these not funny but all of the people that were getting the most offended about it generally speaking weren't homosexuals yeah um look a lot of homosexuals would be used to that sort of you know silly statements of yeah. persecution throughout their life and but because he's seen as, as a role model um in rugby yeah you know uh, rugby union at the time um he was sacked and it was this ongoing court case and i don't know the details of the settlement get signed by the Super League which I have never really followed until this year I'm like man you know Sonny Bill's playing uh, in Toronto and and Israel's playing um, for Catalan's Dragons the French club and now I'm taking this real interest in it because (laughs) there's these two superstars playing in the game and there's a lot of controversy and it'll die off it always does but 
um, it like almost has died off already. It's yeah. like people are like, oh yeah, yeah, cool, like you signed again, whatever. So there was this this mass sort of not protests, like not people out in the street, but people publicly sort of declaring that their disagreement over him being signed. Um, I think there's just say there's twelve clubs in Super League, like the, the eleven other clubs who are like trying to veto it and say no kind mm. of thing, but. Um, the interesting thing is they just try and make such a show about mm. a stance that they want to have that they think is the correct stance to make and they're organizing you know gay pride rallies and all these kind of things for when he or his team would come to their home stadium and i just found it really irking that he's been called out for for not being inclusive or saying things that marginalize a group of people so the reaction to that is let's marginalize and you know protest against him essentially let's bully him let's try and you know shout him down boo him every time he gets the ball and it's like fighting violence with violence like Mm. people marching protesting against violence but then they start attacking other people with violence like the message is lost when you start using the tactics that you protest against you know it it can be i suppose it's a hard thing to say if you if you're we we, i have been when you're overcome by rage sometimes or anger you want you want to answer it in that vicious way but then you kind of after you've done that you sort of step back and go as much as i wanted it to be the right thing it it probably wasn't yeah i mean bullies you know what i mean like if you want to look at israel flair in that way they're always going to be there to to challenge you you know, it's hard, it sucks, but you kind of like, if we rise above this in a different way, yeah. we're going to win. Yeah. 110%. All like, the say, time. hey, Izzy, um, maybe instead of us protesting, let's let's get you in. Let's get you to yeah. meet some of the guys that um, that run some of our, you know, weeks or events around. Yeah. Come sit down with some events. gay people, you know. Meet I mean? some people, yeah. exactly, um, instead of getting a backup about it. I mean, in the Super League, I think there's only been one actively gay person come out that plays Super League. Mm. So one out of 12 teams, teams that have, say, 30 official players, for instance, yeah. it's not a huge um, group within the players. Yeah. But obviously, uh, it's it's such a big thing in our society to, to promote that inclusiveness. Um, so there's obviously those groups around that he could go and meet. And I think that it would potentially help change his ideas or his stance or... Yeah soften him somewhat um but yeah definitely gone about it the wrong way for sure um, and now yeah. i sort of want to see him do well because there's all this pressure on him to be shit and yeah. i was like well, i want to see him <laughs> play really well over there i know? want to see that one gay player just smash him that's all <laughs> well, i want he doesn't to play anymore i think he's retired <laughs> so yeah yeah it's fuck it's a, it's a weird thing man the world's gonna be full of that shit i mean it's and nowadays we have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, where you can say one sentence of, of controversy. You know what I mean? Even if people listen to this and they don't like what we're saying, you know, I could get a bit of feedback, but it's just like, it's a world we live in. So you say one sentence on your Twitter and the world wants you fucking, yeah, they you, want you hung, you know You've got to have these conversations um, where you should be free to have them at least. You don't have to. But, yeah. Um, and some things will be offensive to other people. I, I rarely get offended. I've got a good take on yes. offense. Um, I, I don't either, man, because it's like, once you get offended, you're just like, you fucking lost, eh? Hey? Yeah. You're exactly. fucked. Like, as soon as the, you know, the emotion comes into it where you can't think rationally. Um, but, you know, with offense, it's like, it's either true or it's false. You know, maybe there's other shades of true or false yeah. in that. But if it's true, hey, take on what the other person said and, and work on it. If it's false, well, don't take it on because it, it shouldn't affect your life or your your thoughts of yourself. So Yeah yes man very interesting yeah I agree don't get don't get offended if you're listening don't get offended don't get offended it's the best thing you can do today hey 
Uh, I I agree with that. If you, you get offended, I feel like you have lost in a way. You just it's going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt the other person. And on the flip side, I don't condone people that go out of their way just to be offensive, just to ruffle people's mm. feathers for the sake of it. I mean, that's not constructive either. Yeah. But, you know, it's, when we're talking about religion, politics, uh, you know, sexual orientation, there's there's bound to be potentially thousands of people that would get offended by one take yeah um but we should still have those conversations definitely yeah oh fuck yeah man that's how look some people think the world's going down the toilet other think it's it's the the best it's ever been i mean i think it's pretty good i mean the thing is it's the world we live in so you might as well fucking give it a red hot crack and yeah be the best person especially if you think there's no god and there's no and and, you know well i'm fucking going to hell we're all (laughs) all just atoms floating in space yeah man it's gonna be this is it yeah so man make the most of it all the drinkers the drug takers the prostitutes the gays the heavy metal fans it's gonna be a fucking good party down there i'll I'll see you there all the tattooed people you're not getting into heaven they're fucking (laughs) well probably not (laughs) um Man, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, your, you, you've mentioned your kids, Ziggy and Django, um, your family, man. How, how old are the kids? Tell me about your kids. How has it changed your life? I, I often get questions about fatherhood and things like that. I think hearing, talking to other dads too, I mean, I still ask questions to other dads. Like, how did that happen? Had, obviously, you know, fucking you have kids and stuff like that. Had you fall into it? Was it an accident? How's it changed your life? Like, Yeah, I mean, definitely planned. Um, yeah. I'd always thought, let's have three kids. I came from, I've got two older sisters. Um, Jamie's the oldest of three. Mm. Um, she sort of said, no, nah, let's have two. I really want to have two boys. Not that you can plan to have two boys, but that was, she'd always thought, hey, I'll have two boys and that'd be sweet. Um, Did you want boys or girls? You didn't care? Or? Look, oh, without sounding horribly terrible, I did want boys yeah. because Sexy. I thought that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's really bad because... <laughs> I thought that as a young father, I think I was 25 when Zig was born. Yeah. I thought I would have a much better chance of being able to relate and, and be involved mm-hmm. um, having a boy. Um, and it, it certainly turned out that way. It's interesting when a lot of people, they, they have two of the same. And very few people have this so-called pigeon pair where they have an older uh, boy and a younger girl. It's um, super, super rare. Like I know lots Never of people, that, yeah. two kids um, and... Two, two girls or two boys and um, they sort of stop and go hey yeah yeah but uh, you know fun fact Jamie said let's have two um, because a family pass at say dream world is two adults two kids <laughs> um, it's never that third child you always got to pay extra so let's, <laughs> yeah. let's keep it simple and so that's what we decided to do yeah um, so definitely planned um, I got to pick Ziggy's name um, we were throwing names around and I had Thai names and I was like, nah, yeah. Jamie was like, nah, they're too harsh sounding and, <laughs> and had Japanese names. I love Japanese uh, names. And then we settled on Ziggy. Um, I threw it out there one day. We're watching, um, probably my favorite TV show I'd say is, is a show called The Wire, yeah. which is a HBO show. Um, I've never seen The Wire. I know it, but I've never seen it. Really good. Have yeah. to watch it. It's only five seasons, so it's definitely watchable. Mm. Um, but there's a character named Ziggy. Look, I hated this character. Like, not relatable. Just a complete fuck up. Um, <laughs> somebody that's a drug dealer becomes a murderer, and you just like stop making these terrible decisions in your life. But his name, his name wasn't even Ziggy, but he was from a Polish background, and uh, my grandma was German Polish mm. on my mum's side, and he took the nickname Ziggy, and everyone would call him Zig. And I thought that's really cool. So yeah. that's how we got into that name. Um, that was obviously life-changing, but I've always sort of been a homebody and it didn't, 
make this massive change where like gosh I've got to stop partying and stop drinking because I didn't really do that stuff much yeah. anyway um, I was still able to play PlayStation while I was nursing Zig and <laughs> yeah. so it was really really cruisy obviously hard parts here and there yeah and then I think three year age gap we had Django yeah I uh, picked that name Django Fett from Star Wars so J-A-N-G-O yeah not not Django with a D in front. The D is sad. Yeah. And that was the yeah. first thing I said to, to Jamie, which is, yeah. and I was like, with the D? Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it was, I've, I've had the snip personally, but yeah, have had yeah. the snip. And so no three. Then, no, no three. So we've set it on the two that we originally planned yeah. for, and we've got two boys, which we originally sort of wanted, I guess, if you use that word. Um, yeah, we're happy, you know. Mm. Um, it's, it's great. I mean, it sort of runs in the background in your mind. Sometimes you forget you have kids. Yeah. You know? I took Ziggy with me to Thailand for a full month. So he had four weeks off school this year. Yeah. Um, he, he was great. He loved it. He really took to the culture, um, tried to learn a little bit of the language, mm. tried to, you know, tr- like a little bit of the food, even though it's spicy. Yeah. Um, it is like, spicy. Yeah. <laughs> like this is, this is, you know, my son, he's, he's really sort of fit in here. He didn't want to leave. Yeah. But... Yeah, it, it, it's cool. I mean, but I definitely, if someone says to me, hey, I, I don't, I'm never going to have kids, I'm not going to try and tell them to have kids because yeah. it's the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life. So don't go into it lightly. Um, but, you know, really enjoy it. Enjoy every moment if you can. Mm. You know, I've got to be disciplined myself. And, you know, I fail at that on a daily. You know, we're talking about, you know, having your phone, putting mm. your phone down, spending quality time with your kids, not having too too many screens going you know, reading to them yeah. more or, or playing with them more. Um, like being sort of present. Being present, yeah. You're not just um, there, like you're, 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 yeah. yeah. I think that's it. That's from observations. I think, I think I'm pretty good with it myself. I don't know, but I have seen a lot of people, you'll be in a room with them and you're like, fuck man, they're just staring at their phone. The kids are two feet away. And you're yeah. like, it's a, you feel bad, you know, like. Um, and the flip side is when parents are just so involved with their kids that they, they don't get any time to themselves. They don't get any time to spend with their partners. Mm. So real cliche, but you know, you've got to find that balance in life and you've got to let them be independent and yeah. not be bored and, and actually go and they've got all these toys. They can go out and kick a ball. They can do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, find stuff to occupy themselves as well. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. You, you want them to be social, but almost not antisocial, but they need to be able to spend time on your own. As an adult, man, I think that can be the hardest thing sometimes. Like, especially if you're not being stimulated in some way shape or form you're like fuck i'm alone and the thoughts then start running wild and that's it could almost be like the worst thing for some people myself included um i mean i'm fucking talking like 99 percent of the time and how much would change like society like you try and i'm terrible I've, i get distracted so easily like i'll sit down and watch netflix half an hour through like an hour movie or two hour movie whatever i'll pause it i'll go on my phone mm. i'll go get something to eat i'll go get some drink and this two-hour movie turns into a six-hour ordeal yeah. because there's so much to distract you. Whereas when we were growing up, you chuck the VHS in and you just watch it. Yeah, you, you just you watch know. that movie. And, and I remember pausing your VHS was like the weirdest thing too. <laughs> yeah. Like you're just like, I'll oh, just stop it. Yeah, it'd be like, oh, I'm gonna fuck it here. Eh? Yeah. You run, take a piss real quick. Yeah, yeah. It. Um. Yeah. I don't know what that is about. It's almost like you think, are we fucking? Are we missing something if I don't check Instagram? Or I didn't have Instagram for like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday last week. I downloaded it again on Friday night. I mean, the first thing I noticed was that Australia's run out of toilet paper. Yeah. Um, every man and his dog was posting about, you know, yeah, I've got toilet paper. But 
just that whole three days, you know, it's like, you know, I was on the computer and then look at your phone or you make a call and before you shut your phone, you quickly open Instagram. Instagram for me was the worst. And you're just always like, what the fuck am I doing here? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's weird. I, I um, deleted Instagram for, it's my only social media. I have no Facebook or anything else, no Twitter, no TikTok, whatever that is now. And um, <laughs> yeah. deleted Instagram last year for about three months, which was cool. Um, because, yeah, I always just find myself going to it. Yeah. Um, I'm one of those people that has a four-year-old phone, you know. I purposely don't have the latest and greatest so that I'm not on my phone all the time. Yeah. Um, if it was the latest and greatest, maybe I'd be gaming. Maybe I'd be watching videos. Maybe I'd be doing this. But instead, it's like if I'm at work, I'm working. If I'm with my family, it's family time. If I'm at home, well, there's a lot of things I can be distracted with at home. Like I can watch a movie. I can yeah. play PlayStation. I love gaming. Um yeah, so, you know, could do the same thing that, that you did, um, could delete Instagram, could be for a month or two. Yeah. For me now, just waiting on what's going to happen with this application I put through to one championship and yeah. see what happens with that. Um, so you've got to stay on the, the apprentice stages, so I've kind of got to be, yeah, I've got to yeah. have uh, Instagram. Quick shout out for that. I, I, I had on the list to talk about, we're, we're fucking talking, 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 but uh, one, one championship, obviously I talk about the UFC, one championship is kind of like the Asian version of that, would you say? Like the, yeah, the, yeah. MMA the, for the... They haven't been around for as long, but they mm-hmm. do MMA, Muay Thai, and kickboxing. Mm-hmm. Um, for Muay Thai and MMA, they use the same, I think it's the four-ounce gloves. Yeah. And most of the time in a cage, depending on which country they go to and, and what they have um, present. So sometimes you see the MMA in a ring, which is so it's weird. weird. It's like I watching like in the Pride ring. back in the day. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, there's people holding the ropes from the outside if they're right up grappling against the ropes they don't fall through it's 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 a bit scary um but one is this huge global thing um a guy from burma got me onto it at a cafe once and he just told me about it i've never heard of it Mm. and um i've watched ufc obviously watched a lot of thai boxing um one of the coolest things that one does that you know shits all over every other fighting organization is their weight cutting system is is revolutionary and you know people like joe rogan have talked about this as well but they don't allow you to cut weight. Is this where they do the same day weigh-ins as the fights? I, I think no? it's the night before still. Yeah. Um, but essentially they've got doctors and people that will monitor, you know, your levels throughout the week. Mm-hmm. So the craziest thing about boxing, the, the cra- or any sort of fighting sports, is the weight cutting, I think. It's just... It's, it's pretty, dangerous. It's, it is it's dangerous, just so yeah. stupid. And so you've got two people that say, let's say they weigh 75 kilos, they train... And most of the time, they're 75 kilos. They then decide they're going to fight at 70 kilos. So they both lose 5 kilos in a week or two leading up. And, and that's a small amount. Some people are losing 10 kilos or 9 kilos in a week or two before a fight, which is huge amounts to lose. Mm. So dangerous. You're dehydrating your body and your brain. Mm. So they'll say, let's fight at 70. And I'm there. This 10 years ago, I said to one of the guys that, that I trained with, this guy, you know, um, former Australian champ, he said... 80 plus fights I said why don't they just do same day weigh-ins he said oh you know because they want to see a really good active fight and he thought I meant let them cut the weight weigh in then fight and I'm saying no no don't cut the weight yeah what's the point you weigh the same amount anyway fight you're super fit already fight at that 75 and then you're going to see a really good clean fight yeah um, so one has a whole new system where they don't allow you to, to do that um, so it's like if you're 75 kilos you just fight at 75 you just fight at 75 kilos. exactly yeah. um, and it, it just it just works 
it's just a much better system yeah. they're, they're looking out for the athletes um, there was a girl that missed weight yesterday um, and then the fight was called off because she missed weight because she was in such bad shape mm. imagine if you were the other girl this Brazilian girl that, that had spent all this time training all this time avoiding injuries at the gym in training cut her own weight she might have cut say five six kilos mm. finally makes it makes weight and then the person over there is trying to cut the weight and they miss it the fight's called off I mean how disappointed would you be yeah. and the other the other person they had to go to hospital because they were in such bad shape it's, to... it's it's annoying man when you see that happen you're just like oh man I hate when they miss weight and then the fight's called off that must be just the fucking biggest anti-climax I mean you're annoyed as a fan you know going oh shit but like you said you, you feel about because someone's just cooked themselves so bad and can't get to the finish line and then the yeah. other person's got their probably arguably in a shit shit state too but yeah yeah it's it's bad um that that to me is one of the hardest things about watching the ufc i think you see some people that just look so sick man yeah you know and they're like oh that can't be good not good for your body but not good for your brain like, yeah if your brain takes a hit you know well, not your brain but your head takes a hit um and you're so dehydrated it's, it's terrible it can have long-lasting effects we don't really understand now the effects that it can mm. have in the future but there's all sorts of studies coming out now uh, about those kind of things yeah. so yeah one's definitely you know I would love to see that become the standard across all fighting sports I think mm. it's totally realistic it, it's not asking anything extra you know the fighters are getting more out of it that yeah yeah man well it could be a thing I mean I suppose they just need the what do you call it? like the the, the governing bodies to like yeah that, to get you know. on board yeah it's yeah. still I think boxing still cuts weight so it's I think it's just come from boxing for like a lot of the yeah westernized a culture. lot of the mixed martial arts and yeah I mean UFC still, for example don't have they don't have like specific MMA judges which is fucking mind boggling you I know, know right? and the commissioners yeah the boxing commission yeah I think it's so dumb the time. like just get a whole bunch of ex MMA fighters ex UFC fighters whatever it is and that make that the commission yeah I mean they're a fucking billion dollar organization I'm sure they could afford to do that you know yeah. but yeah whether or not state governments let them yeah. yeah who knows there's 50 states they fight overseas sometimes who knows that's that's yeah. a whole other it's podcast very, very complex ah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, shit yeah we'll wrap this up shortly man so we'll talk about Jamie uh, we talked about your kids which is awesome I love hearing about family stuff man I'm, I'm a real big family man I don't know I, I always talk about family in all the podcasts I do I've had my pop on I don't know check that one out I was really nervous when I talked to my pop he's like 86 yeah. I talk all the fucking time but I was really nervous I, I feel like I listened to it myself and I was like I'm nervous were you, speak, were you questioning differently or? Uh, I just had more more specific questions I thought because he was a bit like nervous himself you know and yeah. the hardest thing is that some people like they get nervous so you're trying to you as the, the fucking host, whatever you want to call me, the king of the couch, you know, <laughs> yeah. you want to, you know what you can get out of someone. So you want to do your best at like drawing the best conversation out of them. Yeah. And it can be a little bit tricky. I mean, I'm no professional or anything like that. I don't even know if you can be a professional podcaster, man, but um, Joe Rogan just smokes a lot of weed and drinks some whiskey and then that just works. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess you just want to get good answers and you want people to get value from it. Uh, but that was really cool. It was a special one, I think, for me. You know, it's something that I thought, instead of just photos and stuff of memories, that that's like another memory now that I could keep. You know, but how did you sort of meet Jamie and like how did you? Because you guys have been together for a long time. Uh, yeah, married ten years this yeah. year. Got married uh, pretty young in yeah. August. Yeah, married young. I think that I was twenty three. Jamie might have been twenty one at the time. I think yeah. she turned twenty two later that year. So we we were really young um, by today's standards, anyway. Yeah. Was that um, a religious thing that you got married young, or you just thought this is it? Like, well, a lot of yeah, a lot of religious people do, or Christian mm. people do. Um, 
look to, to be honest the reason they do it is they want to have guilt-free sex yeah. <laughs> if i can put it so lightly yeah. um the church will sort of push people to get married young so that you're in a godly relationship yeah um jamie and i had sort of i we got together just before i went to thailand yeah so i'd sort of left but was at the church but was still hanging out with some of the people from the church mm. so um we still had you know a christian ceremony so to speak yeah um but we weren't actively part of the church but i think back in my mind it sort of was um you know in, in my mind as well I was like hey well this is the person this is the one yeah it can be such a thing um so i'm just gonna go for it you yeah. know and she said yes we got married like less than a year later after getting engaged and only um 13 months after we started dating yeah so very quick 13 months from dating to marriage so yeah that is wow yeah yeah but today's standards that's just insane right but um hey look it's worked out it's it's been amazing obviously uh 10 years this year um i couldn't imagine anyone else you know being with anyone else um i couldn't imagine anyone else putting up with my shit (laughs) yeah so it's definitely worked out we've got a great relationship yeah great friends um i was always attracted to jamie from the first time I met her, I yeah. saw her. Um, but we we'd been we were with other people at the time. It was a few years before we got together, and then um, I wouldn't say it was a rebound by any means. But we both had breakups, met up again, premeditated, started talking, <laughs> started hanging out, and then mm. yeah, next thing we're together. So we're fucking married. Yeah, <laughs> two kids, married. Yeah. Oh man, it's, it's gone quickly. Bought the farm, and over ten years, you would see some shit. I mean, you obviously were not kids when you got together but you're so young I mean the shit that you know at say 2021 and then the shit that you know at say 3031 I mean I was a different person 10 years ago I'm sure you were a different person 10 years ago well I look back at the haircuts that I had which are very similar but I'm like man I didn't have that tight fade or (laughs) whatever I think man what was I thinking you definitely (laughs) instead of pushing it forward pushing it back yeah Yeah. yeah. why are my shorts just just over my knees it just looks awful um yeah, we've grown so much. Um, mm. You know, we had a business together. Jamie's a hairdresser. Um, I think we had we bought a business after we had Ziggy. So we, we bought a salon. Mm. And God, you know, Jamie didn't know anything about the finance side of things. And I didn't know anything about the hair side of things. So it sort of worked. And mm. we, we did make it work. And I would say it was successful. And we owned it for a number of years and sold it. But that was obviously a massive life-changing thing for us. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't advise it to, to a lot of people. These <laughs> days, you see how many empty buildings there are for, for lease. Yeah. Um, the whole dynamic's changed now, but... It can, and it can be a hard thing, too, um, living with someone, working with someone, having kids with someone. You, when you're with someone 24-7, like... And you, you might love them and stuff. I mean, Beck and I love each other, but you do give each other shits from time to time. Like, you do need that break, you know? Like, I don't care what anyone says. Like, you spend enough time with an individual, and you're like, oh, they're shitting me here. I've got to yeah. get out of this room. Yeah, we're very, um, we just allow each other to do our thing. Jamie might go out a couple of nights a week, do her thing. I'm more of a homebody. I'll stay at home and just game or I'll watch the footy when the footy starts yeah. next week or just whatever it is. But um, we've got our own ta- um, interests and hobbies that we're into that allow us to do our own things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've got it good. We're, you know, really lucky. There's, yeah, really, I'm really lucky to have yeah. her, obviously. So yeah. shout out to my wife, Jamie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's great. I had, to get her, I had to get her a shout out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she'll love it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. She's only got to get through an hour and 34 minutes <laughs> yeah. a year. It's all right. Stay right to the end, Jamie. Um, but it's important that we just, that, like, 
I've, I've got a couple mates that are just about to have kids, a couple that have just found out they're having kids and stuff like that. And uh, they, when they've asked me for advice, that's the one thing I try to, you try to get across them. It's like, sort of don't, you know, you still keep your hobbies, balance the family thing, and then you still need to find time to, I guess, be romantic or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Like, it's, it's, it's a juggling act, but it, you have to sort of keep your, your standard, I suppose, eh? Yeah, definitely. There's there's a lot to go into it, and family plays a huge part. Mm. You know, family to help look after the kids. You know, some people don't have that luxury of having people that can look after their kids, and they can't go out and, and mm. have a date night. Um, yeah, I mean, it must be really tough. Do you guys have like a regular date night sort of thing? Or no, we don't. We're, we're talking about it tonight, just before I got here, and yeah. you know, we sort of need to to go and do something because you know i was in thailand for 20 days until she got over to see me mm. um so that was our longest time apart from each other and then we just had the kids with us the whole time so you'd go out somewhere but you couldn't really be out late Django's only four you know we need to go home and get him down yeah um you know what do you do on a date night i mean gosh we the two things that we can think of is you know going to dinner or going to see a movie but, you know, the last one we probably had was Trivia Night. Yeah. Um, that was super fun. I think we came second. We were runners-up. Um, free coffees from the pocket. <laughs> Shout out to the pocket. Um, I don't even drink coffee, but uh, <laughs> I got myself some sort of Jamie got wanky two. drink. No, yeah. I, I decided I'd give it a go. I got a wanky chai on almond or something like the The most hipster drink you can yeah, probably get. Yeah, Yeah, because yeah. so, I can't drink normal milk and... I can't drink coffee. It gives me the shake. So chai yeah. tastes really good. Yeah, caffeine does fuck. It, the pocket is especially got some cranking coffee, man. I've had a few anxiety attacks after <laughs> yeah. a cup of flat white down there. Yeah. Uh, now, it is important. The date night thing is um, we don't have like a regular one either, but you try to. Actually, the one time that we did recently, it was it was a great night, but you're just like, you're just thinking about Arabella half the night. Yeah. You're like, you fucking chose the wrong restaurant. You're like this. You're like, oh, God, we should have just stayed at home. You know, it's so much safer in the house. Well, when the kids are older, um, you definitely go, okay, they're cool. You know, they're not going to have. Mm. They're so much easier to reason with. And if someone's looking after them, you just don't have to worry about it. Yeah. They're going to be fine. Another cool thing, obviously, bowling, mm. playing pool. I mean... There's people that would just be like, God, bowling, how boring. But it's just a little got, bit just the activity, yeah. Yeah, competition's great. I mean, you need competition, right? Yeah, so. <laughs> healthy competition. We, yeah. Sometimes we play touch rugby league. Yeah, uh, I think um, Jamie beat me one of the times we went bowling. I mean, I had a shocker of a night. It was awful. <laughs> um, if I don't get over 100, I'm pretty disappointed. We should and I think bowling. that this night it was like 67, 70 out of... Oh, it was the worst that's night. Pretty, that's pretty poor effort. It right? was bad. It was bad. <laughs> yeah. Jamie, she's just mopped the floor, you mean? Yeah. No, she's a good egg. She's good. I like her. Well, man, look, this is a good podcast, and I, I have a feeling that we can fucking keep talking and talking and talking. So I'm going to, we'll pull up stumps here, but I, there could be a part two, three, four Netflix miniseries. Yeah, looking at, forward to it for at sure. At some point. Now, thanks for coming on and talking, man. I know it's a, um, it's fun, but it can be a bit daunting too. Once you hit record on the microphone, it's just like, fuck, what is this kind of going to Yeah, do I sound like Cam with the Frog? <laughs> or I've got like a deep voice or. Yeah, yeah, the hardest thing is now <laughs> hearing yourself talk, hey? Yeah. But yeah. no, nah, thanks a lot, man. Look, King of the Couch, episode 40. Uh, Jared Sukjai, thanks so much for joining me, man. Thanks so much for having me. No worries. We'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Have a good week. I love you all. Bye.